single turn, why we go through so many difficulties is because we have missed that central theme. The central purpose of our life is to be bodies that are prepared to do his will and his will alone. Now, how does God take somebody from zero to that point? So you take somebody who's, who's uh, completely, un, somebody who's not saved, who doesn't know God, and takes them to the place where they can become bodies prepared to do the, do the will of God. Just like the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, I think it's chapter 3, and in chapter 6, he says it in two places. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? That's in you, and you are not your own. You are bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Honor God, obey God with your body because your body is not your own. Therefore, you don't have control over it. You don't have a say. All you, all you and I have is to say, yes, Lord, I will do as you command me. So how does he do it? The first thing is, is that we've got to understand what salvation is about. See, this is so, it's so difficult for us to reach this place. And the reason for why is because we've misunderstood why Jesus died for us in the first place. We think that Jesus Christ died for our sins and that's it. I can go back to doing what I want to do. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for my sin. Now I can do all what I want to do and the blood is there to forgive me, to wash my sin away. No, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, look in your Bibles first. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians in chapter 15, first, first Corinthians chapter 15, <clears throat> you see our salvation, brothers and sisters, is like a coin. It's like a two-sided coin. You have heads, you have tails. If you look at a coin and the heads are missing, you know that that's a counterfeit coin. If you flip the coin and you see that tails is missing, you know that that's a counterfeit coin. And it's the same thing with the gospel. If one of these two things I'm about to show you is missing, it's not the whole gospel. It's a counterfeit. In 1 Corinthians in chapter 15, Paul says this. Um, 1 Corinthians in chapter, speaking of Christ's death. He says in 15 verse 3, he said, for I deliver you first of all what I receive. So what's first? That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That's first. All right. That's heads of the quarter. Okay. Heads of the quarter. Christ died for sins. Praise God. He's washed away our sins. His sacrifice has provided the atonement for our sins. He's paid the penalty for our sin. Praise the Lord. And he's raised from the dead. The Bible says he died, he died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And that he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve, and then by the twelve. And after that, more than 100, 500 brothers at once. So the first side of the gospel coin is that Yeshua died for our sins and that he was buried and rose again. Okay, everybody knows that part. But what? Everybody doesn't know is the second reason for why Jesus died for our sins. The other side of the coin. And you find that in 2 Corinthians in chapter 5. The second side of the coin.
the second side of the second Corinthians in chapter five, he says, okay, here we go. Okay, Second uh, Corinthians chapter five, verse fourteen. Write this. Write these verses down because this is your salvation right here. Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, was buried and rose again. First side of the coin. Second side of the gospel coin. Second Corinthians five, verse fourteen. He says, "For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge this: that if one died for all, then all are dead." And he died for all that those who live should hereafter live not for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. You see, people completely ignore that part. That's that's part two of the gospel. Part two. Part two says he died so that way I will never again do what I want to do. It was because I was doing what I wanted to do that I did all that sinning. You see, that, what, the reason why we see all the wickedness in the world, the wickedness and dysfunction in our homes, our families, in the world, our communities in the world, our nation in the world, is because we have ignored this. We are living for ourselves. And it's the church. It's the church. The church is living. The church of today is living for itself. That's why it's so ineffective. It's not breaking through. It's not changing the culture. It's not changing society. It's not changing. Why? Because people are living for themselves instead of Jesus Christ who died for them. You see, you can't have one without the other. If you have just Jesus Christ died for sins, was buried, and rose again. And that's it. Okay, that's a counterfeit. That's a counterfeit because that's just one half. That's just one half of the gospel. The other half is, well, what is my response to that? Jesus Christ died for my sins, was buried, and rose again. How do I respond to that? I respond by never again doing my own will. That's part two of the gospel. He says, and he died for all that those who should live hereafter. That means after you get saved, after you belong to him, from that moment on, he says, you should no longer live for yourself, but for him who died for you and who rose again for you. That's the whole gospel. And so you look at the church, you, you compare those two scriptures. You, when you look at this, you can look at the church and see, oh, well, that is why. Why is the church failing? Why are my relationships failing? Why am I so miserable? Why are, why are things not working out? Why am I not experiencing the presence of God? Why am I not growing? Why am I not? Because you have not, you've gotten away from the ABCs of the faith. The ABCs of the faith that Jesus Christ died for our sins. Jesus Christ died so I'll never do my own will again. And you see, that is a, what, we're, what we're looking at is we're talking about a consistent step-by-step separation from the world, the flesh, the devil, to God. And it begins with a full understanding of the gospel. You and I were saved, first of all, not to do what we want to do. So this is, this, is part, this is step one. This is like, this is salvation 101. The first thing that you should understand after you get saved is that I'm no longer my own. 
period. I'm no longer here in this world to do what I want. I'm here to do exclusively what our Lord Jesus Christ wants. And so this is the cross. This is, this is, this is, so then we take up our cross, right? We take up our cross. We die to ourselves because if we're living, if we're no longer living for ourselves, but for him who died for us, that means we're dying to ourselves every single day, just as our Lord Jesus Christ did. And Paul makes that point clear. Again, another two-sided coin of death to self. In Galatians in chapter 2 and verse 20. In Galatians chapter 2 verse 20, the Bible says, he says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I but Christ lives in me and the life I live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So that's the first crucifixion. He says, I am crucified. So I come to Jesus Christ. I come to faith in Yeshua. I am crucified, meaning that I am dying to myself. The cross is not an immediate death. If you notice that Jesus Christ didn't die instantly once they put him on the cross. Notice that the thieves didn't die instantly when they died on the cross. It took hours and it probably would have taken days if they hadn't broken their legs so that way they would die, except Yeshua's, of course. So, but they were all dead within, uh, within hours. And sometimes crucifixion can last for days. And that's a picture of how we die to our sin. We are dying every single day to our sin until it's completely gone. We're dying, dying then until it's dead. And once it's dead, it's not coming back. Once something's dead in you, it means it's gone. You can't say, oh, I've, I've suppressed, you know, because you, some of us are good at suppressing our feelings. Some of us are good at, you know, we, some of us unfortunately do yoga and all these other, you know, customer service tactics of, of trying to keep our emotions under control. But then as soon as the situation comes up, somebody cuts us off on the road, somebody says an unkind thing to us, and then it all comes out. All the cussing, all the unkind stuff that we've been suppressing comes out. That's not death to self. Death to self is when the thing doesn't even rise up anymore. And that's a process, a day by day process of choosing against the sin that we want to commit. So he says the first crucifixion is what? I die to myself. First, I say no to my will, just as Yeshua did. He says sacrifice and burnt offering you didn't want, but a body Lo, I have come to do your will, O God. So that's our mindset. It's internal. It's us. But then there's another crucifixion. Oh, Lord. And somebody's going to get upset about this one here. Galatians in chapter 6. Galatians in chapter 6 and verse 14. Galatians chapter six, verse 14. So we saw that we in, in Galatians two, we're crucifying our flesh. We're saying no to our self will. And then. And then. And then we're crucified to the world. We're crucified to the world. And Galatians chapter six, verse 14. He says, but God forbid that I should boast except 
in the cross of our Lord Yeshua, the Messiah, by whom the world is crucified to me and I to the world. Oh, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, uh, Paul. The world is crucified to me and I'm crucified to the world. What does that mean? That means that I don't talk to anybody, don't associate. No, it doesn't mean that. It means, what is the world? First John 2.15 tells us, he says, for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the, the pride of life, he says, is not from God, it's but the world. The world and his desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. So what is the world? Anything that's anti-Christ. Anything that is against Christ. Oh, so that means I can't watch Marvel movies anymore. No. Oh, I can't watch things with killing, cussing, and sex in it. No. Oh, it means I can't listen to central music anymore. I can't listen to the Isley Brothers between the sheets no more. No. Oh, it means I can't hang out with the people, the people who I used to hang out with and go to the club and do all the things I used to do. I can't live like that anymore. No. No. I can't watch the soap operas on TV. I can't watch the, the, the things on TV that I used to enjoy that, are, that Christ wouldn't enjoy. Oh, I've got to give all that up. Yes. Why? Because the world has been crucified to you and you to it. We have been crucified to each other, which means that the world can't touch you and you can't touch it. You're crucified to it. You're dead to it. You see, this is, this is the, the screening process that the Lord puts us through to make us his very own. We die to ourself, then we die to the world, and then we belong to him. So we are going in a step-by-step -step march towards our Lord Jesus Christ. And you can't do that looking back. And touching the world. Oh, I miss it. Oh, there's nothing wrong. And see, you know, we're, you know, we can be so, act like such heathens sometimes. Oh, there's nothing wrong with it. Oh, it's just entertainment. It's just entertainment. It's just entertainment. Oh, it's just a little bit of sin. It's not going to hurt anybody. Oh, you know, it's just a, uh, you know, it's just got a little bit of cussing in it, but you can overlook that. You can overlook that. Yeah, but you know what? The question is not whether you can overlook it, but is God overlooking it? You know, I use an illustration sometimes. I use the illustration before. I, I take the example of dog feces. I say, take just a grain of salt worth. Because, you know, people like to say, oh, it just had one sex scene in it. Oh, it just, he shot him in the head one time. Oh, it was just, they just committed adultery once. Oh, he cussed once. Oh, it, it, it is not nothing. You could just fast forward through that. Okay, all right. I compare that to taking a grain of salt's worth, just a grain of salt, imagine a, a grain of salt, how small a grain of salt is, and you, and you, but, but that's dog feces. You take a grain of salt's worth of dog feces, a very, 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 very small amount. I mean, you can hardly even see it, but you put it in a cake. You bake it in a cake. Just a grain of salt's worth. Now, remember, not, we're not talking about big pieces. We're talking about a grain of salt's worth. Just a grain of salt. And you put it in a cake. You, you put it in your salt, your salt dispenser when you're, when you're baking. You put it in the batter. And you bake the cake. And it's Indigo's birthday party or Malachi's birthday party. And you say, hey, everybody, I baked a cake. Come on and have some. And, it's a, and you say, but there's one grain. Now, remember, just... There is one grain of salt's worth of dog feces in this, okay? Not, not a lot, 
You can't even see it. You can overlook it. You, you won't even notice it. You can, you can skip over that. A grain of salt's worth. Now, who, now come on and have some. Who's going to eat that cake? Can you tell me who's going to eat that cake? You going to eat that cake, Josh? It's just a grain of salt's worth. You can't overlook the grain of salt's worth of, of dog feces in that cake. It's just, a, it's just a grain of salt's worth. You can't even see it. You can't bypass it. You can't overlook it. You can't, you can't pick through it and eat all the good parts. No, nobody's going to eat that cake. And that's the point. Nobody's going to eat it. So if, if we're not going to eat a grain the worst, if we're not going to eat a grain of salt worth of dog feces in a cake, what makes you and I think that God is going to take a grain of salt worth of sin in our life? You see, we can be such hypocrites. We act like we, that we have a higher standard for, we have a higher standard for ourselves than for God. We'll, we'll put trash, all kinds of trash into our heart, put trash into our mind, listen to trash, watch trash, hang out with people who talk trash. And then, and then, but then when it comes to God, and then we say, oh, well, God will accept that when we won't even accept that for ourselves. We expect God to take that trash. We expect him to be accepting of the trash, but it's something that we won't even accept ourselves. We want to feed him something that we won't even eat. We try to give him something that we won't even accept. You see, and this is the standard that the Lord is trying to bring us to. It's a step-by-step process, but the bottom line is, is that you will never initiate that process until you cut out the people, places, and things that lead you away from him. That the, the self-will, the world, you've got you, until we separate ourselves entirely from those things, we will never enter into God's plan, and all we'll be doing is sitting in church being being fed, being fed and fed and fed and fed and fed, pretending to be holy, pretending to be godly when really we're sitting in a bunch of heathen instead. You see, this is why you see what you see in the church. How in the world is it that you got so many people going to church and yet still all this mess? Because people are not genuinely converted. They have not sincerely repented. It's like Jesus Christ teaches as this is what the Lord teaches here. It's like Revelation in chapter three. Revelation chapter three, the church of Laodicea. He says in, in chapter, uh, chapter three, verse 14. He says, and write to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God says these things. I know your works that you are neither cold nor hot. In other words, the Holy Spirit is not moving you at all. You're not cold towards sin. You're not hot towards God. You're not, you're not moved at all. The Holy Ghost is not moving you at all. He's not moving in you, period. And that's exactly what we see in the church today. No Holy Ghost, no movement of God, just a bunch of activity where money and psychology and music has replaced the power of God. And, you know, and that's why people are, they're always begging for money on TV and, and demanding that you send something. That's the whole word of faith movement because they don't have the Holy Spirit. God is not moving on their behalf. So to try to reach, to try to go around God because he's not working on your behalf, what do they do? They beg and demand money because money, you can buy things and take action on your own independent from God. But brothers and sisters, that's not how the kingdom of God is built. If you look at the apostles, they were left nothing, no money, all of Jesus' possessions. 
could be carried in 